Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down this week's Live Golf event, Live Golf Singapore 2023. This is our second episode previewing Live Golf. Um, we actually did our preview last week of Live Golf Adelaide. Um, you know, while it's kind of a dead season for college basketball, college football, you know, season-long fantasy football, you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of expand our golf game a little bit, uh, talk about some Live Golf here on the podcast. And last week's episode was pretty highly received. So if you are here for the Live Golf, First off, I highly encourage you to check out our PGA Tour golf episode for this week. We preview the Mexico Open. Next week, we will be back for the Wells Fargo Championship. We don't have to be mutually exclusive here on Mike's Money Picks. You don't have to be a live guy or a PGA Tour guy. You can do one of both or both, in fact. That, that'd, be, that'd be my preference would be both. Anyway, if you are here for the Live Golf and you have liked the content that you have found, please hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review the podcast to let me know that I need to keep doing Live Golf content um, so that way, you know, just keep getting you guys content that you enjoy um, because I'll be honest, if DraftKings continues to offer DFS for Live Golf, I'm going to continue doing research for it. I'm going to continue making picks weekly, um, so I do want to get the content out here to you guys if I'm doing that on my own end. Anyway, it's kind of ironic in my opinion that Live golf is back this week because most of the guys that left live golf talk about you know how great the schedule is and here they are in back-to-back weeks traveling thousands of miles from adelaide australia to singapore and so it's kind of interesting to see that juxtaposition but anyway uh, i'll be honest after seeing the course they're playing at this week i wouldn't be complaining about a thing this is an absolutely beautiful golf course now the one thing that i do not like however though is the timing of this event uh, and it's the same problem that affected last week's Live Golf event in Adelaide. So I will say from everything I saw on Twitter, you know, with all the clips that went viral, like it looks like the crowd they had in Adelaide was absolutely electric for this event. Um, definitely a smart move by Live to market to Australia uh, and bring some of these Australians home and bring competitive golf to Australia, which it hasn't been since the 2019 President's Cup. And so... I definitely thought that was a smart move on their part. But in terms of a TV broadcast, it was horrible because what you had was the event was live when most people in the Eastern time zone in America were sleeping. Uh, even if you're West Coast, you would have had to stay up like late at night to watch it live. And the CW, which is, you know, Liv's broadcast partner for better or for worse, did not show it live. So Basically, if you wanted to watch this event in America, you either had to subscribe to Live Golf Plus, which is a hard pass in my opinion, and and stay up late till like 1, 2, 3 a.m. to watch it. And then you would also, um, the other option would be to watch it on tape delay the, the next day at 1 p.m. So honestly, I, I had no desire to like turn this actual event on the TV, um, but I did check the scores like, you know, and follow it like late at night. And then when I woke up the next morning, uh, and so I could definitely tell who was doing well, who wasn't watched all all the clips on Twitter saw, you know, what the event looked like and what was going on. Um, so that was definitely kind of an interesting, you know, how it played out with the timing. But I definitely do think that the turnout that they got at Live Golf Adelaide was a good thing. I definitely think that another thing that didn't help their TV viewership this week was not only the timing, but Taylor Gooch's absolute domination of this golf tournament. So basically, Gooch ran out to such a big lead after the first two rounds. It was basically a foregone conclusion that Taylor Gooch was going to win the golf tournament. He really kind of um, let off the gas a little bit in his third round. 
uh, and there was just kind of no drama as to who was going to win. Um, if you're into the whole team competition aspect of Live, I guess there was a little drama there, but still, it just really wasn't uh, a great weekend for a TV product for Live, even though the social media engagement and the actual fan engagement in Adelaide did seem to be a massive success for him. So we'll see how this event in Singapore goes. Um, but like I've said time and time again, like some of these guys on the Live Tour, you know, is whatever your thoughts on Live Golf are, it's kind of fun to watch these guys play competitive golf. So uh, I am back here this week doing this podcast. Uh, and if you're playing DFS or betting for the Live Tour event this week, we do have you covered. We're going to talk about it from both angles. Uh, and so without further ado, that kind of does it for the intro. Let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify and let's start talking about the course. All right, so the course that they will be teeing it up at this week on the Live Tour is the Serapong course at Sentosa Golf Club in Singapore. I always never know what to call Singapore. Is it a city? Is it a country? Is it both? I don't know. Either way, the Sentosa Golf Club with the Serapong course is absolutely a beautiful setting for the golf tournament. If you just do a quick Google image search or, you know, go on like a golf course database and search up this course, this is an absolutely beautiful golf course. I'm kind of jealous that they're getting to play there this week, honestly. It just looks like an absolute blast. Anyway, the course is a par 71 and it is 7,400 yards, which is quite lengthy. Uh, it normally plays as a par 72 for non-championship golf. Um, um, one of the par fives gets converted into a very long par four. Speaking of those par fours, all of the par fours on this course do start with a four uh, in terms of the yardage. They're all in the 400s with some of them capping out at 490, multiple ones that are in the 480s and 490s. You do have some long par fours on this course. Uh, and then there are two par threes that are over 200 yards. Um, when it comes to the par fives, there's only three of them and two of them are going to be reachable for most, if not all of the field. So most of the length that this course is getting is from those par fours and those par threes. The par fives are not quite as difficult um, as they would appear. Now, as I mentioned, this course is beautiful. Like it, It's absolutely stunning. Um, however, it does have a little bit of teeth though. The fairways themselves rank as being fairly wide, but there's not a whole lot outside of the fairways. This is still a decently like resort style golf course, not quite like we're seeing in the PGA this week with the Mexico Open at Fidanta. But the fairways themselves are pretty wide, but there's a lot of hazards waiting for you if you do miss the fairway big time. Um, there's a lot of sand and there's a lot of opportunities to put the ball into water. There are a few holes that are kind of taking place on um, I don't know quite what the right word would be, but there's going to be water on both sides of you uh, on a few of the holes on this golf course where it's kind of like a marshlandy swamp on one side and then um, the Strait of Singapore on the other. Um, and so definitely there's a lot of opportunities to put balls in the water this week. If you're going to miss the fairway, you do not want to miss the fairway big. Now, this course does have a little bit of history hosting competitive golf. Um, it's hosted the Singapore Open since 2005, which has been a mainstay event on the DP World Tours calendar. Uh, a few winners of that event, Matt Kuchar won one of the more recent editions in 2021. Uh, and then Sergio Garcia, and Ian Poulter have won this event as well. Adam Scott has actually won this event three times. Uh, and then in terms of guys that haven't won it but have good finishes, uh, of the live guys, Henrik Stenson and Paul Casey both have put up top 20 finishes in recent years in this event. And then Tom Kim, you know, PGA Tour golfer, not in action this week, um, but he does have two top five finishes here. So he plays this course very well. So that kind of begs the question of, on paper, I really don't know what to make of this golf course. I don't know what to expect. Um, just looking at the scorecard and looking at the geography, you know, we got long par fours. Uh, we got wide fairways, but narrow 
um, landing zones off the fairways. So basically, if you're going to hit the ball long and you're going to hit the ball straight, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Now, it's also a fairly tropical golf course as well. It's also on the coast. So could it get windy? Yeah. Could the greens be a little different from what the golfers on this tour are used to seeing? Yeah. I don't really know what to make of it if I'm being totally honest. But like I said, on paper, I think being a long hitter and a straight hitter is going to pay dividends this week. Now, if you're looking at the guys who had done well on this event, you know, in the Singapore Open, like as I mentioned, Matt Kuchar, Garcia, Poulter, Adam Scott, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey, and Tom Kim. So what courses did those guys play well at? Well, Adam Scott has wins at Riviera and Augusta, and I think that Riviera actually stacks up pretty well. It's another course with a lot of long par fours. Uh, and then Augusta, Sergio Garcia also has a win there. So maybe is there a little correlation between this place and Augusta? Maybe. I don't know for sure. Um, and then also Tom Kim and Henrik Stenson both tote wins at the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield. Um, however, I think that's more anecdotal. I don't really think there's a whole lot of connection there. Other than in general, good ball striking it tends to travel. If you're a good ball striker of the golf ball, you're going to be more inclined to play well at whatever course you play at. Um, so really not knowing what to expect. I also kind of did like a little bit of a Google map search to see if the people PGA Tour has played anywhere close to here recently. And really, the closest that you get is when the CJ Cup took place at Nine Bridges, um, which is on an island off of the coast of South Korea. It's not exactly like right next door to Singapore, but it's about as close as you can get in terms of where the PGA Tour tends to go. Uh, and so that event was at Nine Bridges for a few years before the COVID-19 pandemic, and then it moved over to the United States. When it was played at Nine Bridges, it had been won by Brooks Kepka, who's in action this week. Uh, and then Danny Lee and Mark Leishman, also live tour guys, uh, have both gotten runners up at that event. So just kind of in general, it seems like if you play well at Riviera, if you're a ball striker, um, if you're a you know an Aussie or a Pacific Islander, you might have a little bit of advantage this week. That that's just kind of how it shapes up to me. If you're looking for any of the courses on Live to compare, maybe Live Adelaide because of the geography, with it being Australia being not too far from Singapore, I guess, even though it is kind of far from Singapore. Uh, and then Mayakoba is a little bit of a tropical course as well, like this one will be. Um, so maybe in terms of just looking at the Live game logs, those might be the two closest that you can get. So in general, we're looking at a fairly unpredictable week here y'all with with lack of you know real true knowledge of what this course is going to give us so in my opinion it's not a bad idea to play the guys who have played here already course experience is always a good thing um and then also good ball striking travels wherever if you're going to be good off the tee if you're going to be good with your irons on approach you're going to be able to succeed at whatever course life throws at you and so whether or not it gets windy whether or not this course plays firm and fast or you know slow and wet does not matter if you're striking the ball well you're going to tend to finish pretty well in a golf tournament so that would just be my general advice this week you can absolutely if you're playing dfs fit your lineup to a certain narrative we're going to talk about a few options for that as we profile the golfers but definitely good ball striking is always going to travel well. So let's go ahead and let's see if we can target some golfers that might have a chance at winning this golf tournament, or we might want to be putting into our DFS lineups. But first, let's take a quick breather. All right. So in my opinion, 
talking about the golfers that are in action here this week on Live Singapore, there is a clear top three. There are three golfers at the top of the board for the betting market and the DFS market that to me are substantially above the rest. They kind of sit in a tier of their own. If I am betting this tournament in terms of an outright winner, I'm probably going to want to get one of these three guys in it. If I am playing DFS, I'm probably going to want to start my lineup with one of the top three guys. Uh, They've all three shown the ability to win all over the world in all kinds of conditions. And to me, they're just the class of this field. So who are those three? Well, first up, it's Cam Smith. He's coming off of a third place finish in his home country of Australia at Live Adelaide. Now, the only thing he really does not do well, the one weakness of Cam Smith's game is the off the tee game. But like I said earlier, the fairways here are fairly wide. And there is water and bunkers lurking, but you know if, if he can just keep it in the fairway, the rest of his game in terms of approach around the green and putting is so good that you know if he can just keep the wheels on the tracks with his off the tee game, he will have a chance to win every time he tees it up. And like I said um, in, in my introduction for this segment, he has won in all kinds of conditions. He's won in terrible weather, windy, firm and fast at St. Andrews. He's won at rainy, sloppy TPC Sawgrass, two totally different environments. He's won at Kapalua. Like It just goes on and on with the different ways this guy can win a golf tournament. Uh, and so I definitely think he has the upside to do so this week. However, if I'm being totally honest, I probably prefer the next guy on the board, which is Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson's coming off of a 10th place finish at Live Adelaide. And as I said earlier, good ball striking travels. And Dustin Johnson has got the combination of length and accuracy off the tee and with his irons that I think is just going to give him an advantage that if this course does play more like a Riviera or an Augusta, he's going to have the ability to put himself in position to make more birdies than anybody else because he's going to be hitting it long and accurate. There's other guys in the field that are going to hit it long but not accurate or accurate but not long. He's going to be able to do both. Uh, And then with his approach game, he's going to be able to hit more greens than the average guy on this field. Uh, And so I just think Dustin Johnson is going to give himself plenty of chances to win this golf tournament. Now, Brooks Kepka is kind of the wild card of this group of three. Brooks Kepka just came in 11th at Live Adelaide after finishing runner-up at the Masters. Now, he did get hot with a second-round 65 uh, at uh, Live Adelaide. So basically, you know, it's kind of follow-up what I said about Brooks last week. When you get engaged, locked in Brooks Kepka, there's very few guys that can beat him. But the question is, are you going to get engaged, locked in Brooks Kepka? Well, you usually get it at the majors. You got it at Live Orlando for whatever reason, and you kind of got it last week at Live Adelaide. Like, you know, he really put it together in that second round. If he could have just made a few more birdies on Sunday, he could have had himself a really good finish, maybe even finding the podium. Um, but basically, if you're picking Brooks Koepka in a DFS lineup or a betting card, if you if he shows up and he's locked in, you're probably going to know by day one whether or not you got good Brooks Kepka or not good Brooks Kepka. And if it's good Brooks Kepka, look out because and and I think there's a good chance of that because I really think he wants to get back in the winner's circle in a major championship this year. So I think he wants to do everything he can to get his game right and get his form good coming into the next major, which is the PGA Championship here in a few weeks. So those three Smith, Johnson, Kepka, class of their own, would not shock me if one of these three guys won the golf tournament. In fact. I'd say there's a pretty good likelihood that one of these three guys does walk away with the championship. All right, now in the next little tier in terms of the betting board and DraftKings, um, Joaquin Neiman and Mito Pereira. I don't really know how to feel about them. Neither of them finished in the top half at Live Adelaide. Um, And I really don't know what to make of their course fit. Like, 
neither of these guys had a long extensive history on the PGA Tour before bolting to live, so you don't have a whole lot of comparative results to go off of. The one you do, though, is that Joaquin Neiman does have a win at Riviera. Um, and so if Riviera is your main course comp, well, well, there you go. You got Joaquin Neiman. But I think both these guys have a tendency to miss big off the tee. Um, even though they are long hitters of the golf ball, they also don't really excel in the short game or with the putter. Um, and so I just don't really know how this is going to set up. If this is going to be a course where like it's going to be really difficult to hit greens, they're not going to be the best guys that you want for that. If this is a course where you, you, you know, you're going to be having to play in the wind and kind of in these tropical climates, I don't know how they shape up well worth that. I would think that growing up in Chile, maybe they would have an ability to do that, but I don't know. I just, I don't really know what to make of these two guys. I think in DFS, they're going to go very low owned, but I definitely don't think they have the same upside as a lot of other guys in their price range. And that starts with Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed has finished in the top four of his last three worldwide starts, which is quite impressive honestly. And in his career, he's another guy like the top three. He's won at a wide variety of courses. He also boats an elite short game. So if this does turn into a tournament where it's going to be really difficult to hit greens, he's going to be the guy who's going to be able to get up and down more than the rest. And he's going to give himself more of those par saves um, than the average golfer in this tournament. So I really do like Patrick Reed. If kind of that's how you think it's going to play out. Abraham Answer is another guy in this same range who has a clearly defined skill set and a clear ceiling. He finished 11th at Live Adelaide, and he's just one of the most accurate golfers in the world. So he's, he's just super accurate off the tee, super accurate with his irons. Uh, the only concern is his distance off the tee, but he has played well at courses that you know where distance is required, like at Quail Hollow, like at Augusta National. He's played well at those courses, so I don't see why he wouldn't be able to play here at Live Singapore, where the, this course is even shorter than both of those. Um, so in terms of this little next tier, Mito and Neiman are probably the two wild cards that I'm avoiding. I would probably rank Reed ahead of Answer, but the guy that I'm going to rank ahead of both of them is going to be Taylor Gooch, who's coming in off of a win at Live Adelaide, where he just absolutely was elite in terms of ball striking. Um, I know that we don't get a strokes gain breakdown from these live events in terms of off the tee approach putting and all that but what we do know is we do know fairways and regulation and greens and regulation and he was hitting dang near all up in round one and round two and he just kind of took his foot off the gas in round three just kind of coasted to the finish which you know kind of it might scare some people, honestly, because he, you know, it might take him a little bit to get dialed back in. But I definitely do like the way he played and like how he struck the ball um, in the first two rounds. And so I definitely think that Taylor Gooch is the class of this next range. He definitely gives you the most upside. And so in, you know, kind of in this 9K range on DraftKings, I, I would rank Taylor Gooch number one. I would rank Patrick Reed number two and probably Abraham Answer number three. Now, the bottom of the 9K range does have Charles Howell the third, who has the win at the tropical course at Live Mayakoba, but I really don't trust it. It appears to me that that win was a flash in the pan. He's been outside the top 20 in his last two Live starts, and if you're paying this much money on DraftKings Farm, you just can't afford that, and so I really don't think Charles Howe third is a great play. On the other hand, Peter Uline is the recent form king coming in. He's been the most consistent finisher on the Live Tour this year. He has four straight top 10s uh, in the calendar year for the Live Tour, so if you're banking on recent form, Peter Uline is the guy that you need to be playing. Now, as we dip down into the 8K range, Sergio Garcia is probably my favorite play in this range. He is coming off of an 11th place finish at Live Adelaide, and he does have familiarity with this course, like we talked about earlier with the win in the Singapore Open. So 
I mean, why not go back to Sergio? I was really concerned about the trajectory of this kind of season for Sergio with how he had played at the first few live events and how he just missed the cut terribly at the Masters. But he seemed to bounce back with that 11th place finish in live Adelaide. And so I wouldn't mind going back to him in a DraftKings format this week. I don't think that he really has the upside to win the golf tournament, but I definitely think he's a solid play in DraftKings. Dean Burmeister is a guy who has really started to turn on late. He has back-to-back top 10 finishes on Liv, and he's a guy that, in terms of course fit, like, I honestly don't really care. Like, he isn't exactly like a proven winner like the guys at the very elite level of this field are, but he's a guy that you look at what he's done on the DP World Tour and on the PGA Tour. He has finished well in golf tournaments all over the world. He has played well in all kinds of climates, all kinds of environments, all kinds of distances. Like The conditions aren't going to face him. And so he's a guy that's kind of like course proof. I I definitely would say that. And so if you don't know what to expect from this golf course, if you really are expecting it to be unpredictable, then he's a guy that you could put in that, you know, the predictability doesn't matter because he's shown the ability to play well in any kind of environment. And Anderbon Lahiri is also another guy like in the AK range. He's coming off of a runner-up finish at Live Adelaide. Maybe he might have a little bit of an advantage being from India with, you know, kind of the geography of the course. I, I don't know necessarily, like, I don't know his backstory. I don't know if he played any golf in Singapore growing up, but I definitely think that the climate in South Asia might help him out just a little bit in terms of being familiar with what you're going to see in Singapore this week. Now, the 7K range has a huge variety of players. At the top of the 7K range on DraftKings has Brandon Grace, Jason Kokrak, and Louis Oostazen, all who have a super wide range of outcomes. They've shown it this season and in their careers. You just don't really know what to expect from any of the three of them on any given week. Um, I would definitely think that the three of them are where I would stop in terms of betting an outright winner. I think that winning is definitely in the range of outcomes for Grace, Kokrak, and Oostazen. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's in the range of outcomes. And I also think it's just as likely that any of these three guys could finish in the 40s this week. So I just don't really know what to make of them. They're probably guys that I'll avoid in DraftKings, um, but I definitely think that in terms of an outright winner, Kokrak, Ustazen and Grace all do have that ability. Now, one thing we do need to talk about is when it comes to playing these DFS contests for Liv, you really want guys who can outperform their salary. Like with a 48-player no-cut event, what you're really looking at is a guy that you pick and is going to come in 45th is going to like kill you, right? But it's not going to kill you as much if you only paid $6,000 for him. If you pay $11,000 for him and he comes in 45th, well, then you're absolutely done. What you need to win week in, week out in DFS in these live tour contests is you need guys that are going to outperform their salary position with their finishing position. So in the 7K range, if you get a guy who's going to have the ability to come in top 10, like doesn't have to win the tournament, just to come top 10, that's going to be well above performing their salary and that's going to give you a boost on the rest of the competition. And it's even more of a boost if they come in with lower expected ownership, which is a simple you know, DFS game theory. I could go on all day about that. Anyway, you really want guys who can just outperform their salary, right? Guys who have upside, guys who can get there. If they don't, then it's not going to be the end of the world because the worst thing to do is 48th, but you definitely want to create a pathway to victory where all these guys can outperform their salary, right? So a guy that has been outperforming his salary is Cameron Tringale. He has four straight live top 20s, three straight top 13s, most recently a third place finish at Adelaide. So in other words, he is out 
outperform his salary in every single live event this year. Another guy who has done this, but to a lesser degree, is Kevin Na. So those two guys are definitely going to be notables, in my opinion, heading into this week, just because of their ability to outperform that salary that they're currently at. Now, Mark Leishman does have history in this part of the world, but he doesn't have a live top 10 yet. He's a guy who has not outperformed his salary. So if you're picking him, you're banking on his familiarity with the course and the adaptability of his game to be at a point where he can still outperform his salary, even though he hasn't really done it yet this season. Now, a guy that I do like at the bottom of the 7K range is Pat Perez. Um, one thing, now's a good time to go ahead and talk about the team component of Liv. So something that they mention relentlessly on the broadcast is that Liv is an individual competition and a team competition. And Pat Perez's team, the four aces, which is Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Pat Perez, and Ke or, uh, Peter Uline, is the elite team on the live tour like they're like the dallas cowboys or the new york yankees or alabama football or duke basketball like they're that level uh, in terms of just they're more talented than all the other teams and so if you're going to bank on like or bet on any team to win the team event at live just put the money on the four aces don't overthink it like all the other teams are super volatile super unpredictable they're the most talented team they're going to be in the mix all right there, there's my summary of the team events and live anyway here's what it does for you as an individual it motivates these guys that are on a team like the four aces to play all their 54 holes with maximum effort through Sunday because they want to make sure that they secure that team win even if they're out of contention for the individual win. Got it? So basically, what that means is if Pat Perez is sitting in 30th place on Sunday, but the four aces are in contention, Pat Perez is going to go hunting for birdies because he wants to help the four aces win instead of just mailing it in and playing the rest of his holes out. So you can kind of get a little bit of motivation. I really don't know if that applies to any other team on the Live Tour other than the four aces, simply because everybody else's finishing position has been so erratic except for the four aces. They're in the top three week in and week out. So I definitely think that applies to Pat Perez, but I don't necessarily think that's a logic you can apply to really anybody else on a week in, week out basis. Now, the bottom of the 7K range and really bleeding into the top of the 6K range has some old guys who have my interest. First up is Henrik Stenson. He has back-to-back -back 11th place finishes on Live, and he does have history playing this course like we mentioned earlier. He's played in the Singapore Open. He does have some solid finishes here. Doesn't have a win, but does have some solid finishes. And he's a guy that, like I said earlier, ball striking travels. When Henrik Stenson was at his best on the PGA Tour, he was an elite ball striker right? And he's kind of getting back to that a little bit with the back-to-back -back 11th place finishes. If he gives you another 11th place finish at a course he's familiar at, he'll vastly outperform his salary. Now, Fit Mickelson seemed to be kind of awoken um, by his performance at the Masters, was runner-up at the Masters, finished 11th at Live Adelaide. Side note, a lot of people finished 11th. Like There must have been a massive tie uh, for that. Anyway, um, second and 11th in his last two starts, and his salary has been pretty much the same as if he was still the same garbage Phil Nicholson that he had been the last year before the last two weeks. And so I definitely think if you want to keep riding the train on Phil Mickelson, keep doing it. He's going to come in very highly owned because of his recent form. But I definitely think that the recent form coming in is in a better spot than it has been for Phil Mickelson in like the last three years. Now, the last old guy that I do like is Ian Poulter. I would expect him to have the lowest ownership of these three guys that I have mentioned. Uh, he does have a win at the Singapore Open at this course, but he is not coming in in good recent form as opposed to Stanson or Mickelson. He has three straight bottom half finishes on live. So if you do want to throw a dart at Henrik Stenson, or I'm sorry, not Henrik Stenson, if you do want to throw a dart at Ian Poulter, um, which is a guy who does have history at this event, if you can just get like a 15th place finish out of Ian Poulter, I think you can be a happy camper at the end of the week. 
Now, it kind of the bottom of the board that I would go on DraftKings would be Danny Lee and Charles Schwartzel. Danny Lee, we kind of talked about the whole geography of it. He's from New Zealand, played decently well in Live Adelaide, uh, and has played um, in the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. So maybe that's a little bit of an advantage for him. Charles Schwartzel has decent form coming in. He has a seventh and a sixteenth in his last two Live events, and at the salary he's at. 16th place finish would easily pay it off. Now, the, the very last dart throw that I do need to mention is Matt Jones. Didn't play well in his home country of Australia last week, but he does have an ability to pop at tropical coastal courses. And so maybe it could be a Matt Jones week, but I, I'm not really holding out too much hope on that. If you play him, you're going to need him to come in the top half, and he really hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently on the lip tour. All right, so that does it for the golfer profiles for this week's Live Singapore event. So whether you're playing DFS on DraftKings or whether you are betting this tournament outright, hopefully I gave you guys plenty of information, plenty of guys that you can either put into your lineups or put onto your betting cards and have yourself a successful week. As a reminder, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, it'll notify you when new episodes drop, like next week when we are back on the PGA Tour for the Wells Fargo Championship, uh, and then more episodes to come after that and if this episode goes well then uh, you know i might have to come back and do some more live tour previews so if you do like the live tour previews please rate and review uh shout me out on twitter at mike's money picks let me know that you like these live tour previews that way i can keep doing them all right so anyway this concludes the episode best of luck to you guys in all your endeavors this week whether it be dfs outright betting whether it be the live tour or the pga tour best of luck to you hopefully i was able to give you some information that's going to help you win thank you guys for listening and i will see you guys next time